This is episode number 43 with the co-founder and COO of Tippy Toes Dance and the host of the Who's Your Mama podcast, Megan Riley. Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. Before we drop into the episode, a quick message from our sponsor, 919 Marketing. I've worked with 919 Marketing for years and there's no one I trust more with my marketing needs in any of our businesses. I've worked with them in our franchise businesses, in my consulting business. I've worked with them on the franchisor side. And I love working with 919 because they take the time to listen. They take the time to understand what it is I'm looking to accomplish through my marketing, who I'm trying to reach, and then they help me put a plan together to do just that. I've worked with tons of marketing companies over the years, and too often it's a one size fits all approach, but not with 919 marketing. In addition to that, they've developed some amazing technology called 919 Insights, franchising's first and only AI-powered analytics platform. With 919 Insights in place, 919 Marketing can identify the exact topics that matter to your franchise candidates and provide the specific roadmap to help your brand become the highest ranking and most trusted resource when they're searching for answers. So if you're ready to start getting better results from your marketing, and if you want a free demo of 919 Insights, reach out to Graham Chapman at 919-459-8157 or send them an email at gchapman at 919marketing.com to schedule your free demo today. So whether you're a franchisor, a franchisee, or just getting started in your first franchise business, make sure to check out 919 Marketing and tell them West Barefoot sent you. Now. Let's drop into the episode. I am pumped for this episode today. My guest, Megan Riley, is an absolute powerhouse. She's also one of the nicest, most genuine people you'll ever meet. And I don't know if I've ever been as fired up after recording a podcast as I was after my conversation with Megan. Her story is so cool. She talks a lot in this episode about how she and her sister founded what is now a national franchise company, Tippy Toes Dance, but how they started it when they were in college and just looking to make some money. Uh, she also shares her story of how they got invited to go on Shark Tank and actually pitched to the Sharks, made it onto TV in season two, and actually got a deal with Mark Cuban. And she then tells us about how she and her sister struggled with the decision to ultimately turn down a deal with Mark Cuban. Not many people can say that they actually passed on a deal 
with billionaire Mark Cuban. And Megan shares why they did that. And I think it's a true testament to the vision that she and her sister have for the company that they've created in Tippy Toes. She also shares some amazing advice about networking and not being afraid to reach out and the fact that you can never be told no unless you ask. So she shares how she started her podcast, the Who's Your Mama podcast, and now has it featured exclusively on Jesse Itzler's BYLR radio. A very cool story. So there's so much good advice and wisdom that Megan shares with us in this episode today. Her story's phenomenal. Everything she's doing is an inspiration. She's also a mother on top of everything else that she has going on. So she's a reminder that if you have a vision, if you have a dream, all you have to do is put your head down and put in the work and that dream will become a reality. So I'm so excited to bring you this episode today with Megan Riley. Let's drop in. Like, yes. thank, you, thank you, Clubhouse. It's kind of, this is exciting. I'm, I'm pumped to be here. I love what you do. And so I appreciate the invite. Absolutely. Uh, likewise, I'm a big fan. And, and yeah, Clubhouse. So even my last podcast that I recorded was also a Clubhouse connection. Yes. Um, so yeah, Clubhouse has been amazing. Um, I, it's I, real. Like you can really, you can get, especially for you with podcasts, like you can really hear someone talk about, okay, like let's, let's do that. Or no, no, we're not going to do that. I'm not going to go down that road. It's really a great way to vet guests. It, it, yeah, absolutely. And, and connect with people that you wouldn't have connected with otherwise. Like I doubt you and I would have ever yeah. even crossed paths had it not been for, for Clubhouse. And I've got at least two more podcast interviews lined up from people that awesome. I connected with on Clubhouse. So uh, yeah, definitely download the Clubhouse app if you're not uh, on that already. But um, so yeah, like I said, I've been excited about this ever since, you know, you and I kind of uh, connected. I've been, you know, following what you've been doing, hearing your story, and I'm so excited to have you share some of this on the, the podcast today. So, you know, for those that may not be familiar with who you are and what you do, kind of kind of tell us what you're up to. And, and then I definitely want to, you know, hear your story of kind of how you've gotten to where you are today. Okay, awesome. So my name is Megan Riley, and I am the COO and part owner of Tippy Toes Dance Company. And I own it with my sister. And um, so Tippy Toes, we started it in 1999. Uh, my sister was a sophomore in college when she wow. started it. Yeah. Um, so what the big picture that Tippy Toes that we that our business is based on is dance classes. We yep. serve kids um, under the age of 12. And we go into daycares and preschools, elementary schools, YMCA's, we go all over and offer dance classes on site which is super convenient for families, parents, you know, it's just a, it's a positive thing for any busy young family. Um, and then, you know, we are also a lot of our, um, so we did that for a number of years. Sarah and I were teaching dance classes ourselves. You know, I would have 22 dance classes a week <laughs> all over town Wow! Yeah. in my twenties and, and having a blast. And I loved it. And, you know, I was out of college and, you know, I had gotten my master's and whatever, but I, this was great. It was this opportunity to do something I love to teach dance and have this amazing flexibility. And so, um, Sarah and I taught to be toes all over, um, in for about 10 years and wow. you know how, yeah, how life goes, like we, we would move towns or move cities and, and we would continue to bring tippy toes with us wherever we went. So, okay. 
Um, so it kind of naturally and organically expanded that way. And we would have like a manager that would run it once we left, you know, that area. So you were able to keep it going. Like yeah. if you moved, you were able to keep it going in the town that you moved away we from. Were. Mm-hmm. Very cool. We were. We'd hire, you know, hire teachers that were great and train them. And, and then we would be able to go on our way. And, um, and so we did that for a long time. And then we started franchising in 2009 and we spent one year with our first franchise to make sure we could work out all those kinks. Sure. Um, yeah. And then, and then, you know, we continued that not worked and we loved it and we continued franchising. So now we have 36 franchises worldwide. Um, 2020, we expanded internationally, which was exciting. And so now we, you know, we have um, most of our, you know, all, we have one international franchise. The rest are here in the United States and from California to DC, you know, Minnesota down to Corpus Christi, we're all kind of all over the place, uh, but it's awesome. And, you know, the heart of it is that what we talk a lot about is at Tipitos is that we're more than dance. So, mm. you know, anybody can teach a shuffle step. It's really not about teaching a four-year-old how to do a shuffle step. It's about building their confidence, giving yeah. them a place to make friends, you know, giving the parents a place to make friends. Yeah. Um, so, so that's kind of the very big picture. There's a lot of things I'm sure we'll get into with our franchise model that give a lot of variation to our franchisees, which I love because some of them have studios. Some of okay. them don't, you know, so that's yeah. really a cool kind of piece of it. So, um, but it started my sister started it because she got fired from a waitressing job in college because she and I wanted to go to a football game. And she told her boss, I don't want to work this weekend. And he said, well, if you don't come in, you're going to get fired. And she said, he won't really fire me. Well, he fired her. And, um, and so my parents were like, you've got a car payment. You better figure it out. And so she started just going to the local daycare there in her college town in Norman, Oklahoma and teaching dance. And so, and like it, it paid the bills, you know, how, she how did she come up with the idea? to do that? Well, we danced our whole life. So growing up, we, you know, it was, it was always recreational for us. It Mm -hmm. wasn't competitive, but we'd, you know, I have two older sisters and we danced each of us, you know, three or four hours a week, every week. And, you know, it wasn't like our life, but it was a very, you know, a a foundation of who we were, I would say. And so really the reason she did that was because it was very easy for her. It was very natural. She was using her natural abilities and somebody said yes to her at a daycare. <laughs> you know, I mean, she, either, she didn't go in having any idea that I would be talking to you 22 years later about the international franchise business. Like, yeah, sure. No way that was on the radar at all. But she used her natural abilities and she needed to make money. And like kind of that combination is really a strong place to start because you're like, I'm hungry. I've got to do it. Yep. And you're also relying on things that come naturally. So it came naturally for her. Um, and then as she saw it grow really just because she was like, Oh, I've got another opening. I'll go try to find another class. And that kind of kept happening. And then when I went, same thing, it was just like, well, I way rather do that than go like wait tables or do anything else. So it was just something that for us was easy. Honestly, Mm -hmm. it was not difficult for us to do it. And so that also played into it. Then we didn't mind kind of hustling and running around. We'd use the, you know, copy machine at school or whatever, make flyers. And, you know, we, we definitely had a robust business that we started in our college days. So by the time we both graduated, it was like very, it wasn't even a decision. You know, it was like, right. It was just like, this is what we're we're doing. Yeah. We've got a business. We're going to keep rolling. Yeah. It's such a cool story. And, And I think one of the things that's so interesting about it is, you know, she, she just kind of started. Cause like you said, it, it just kind of came naturally to her. She needed to make some money. And, and I think, you know, a lot of times when people are considering starting a business, there's a lot of overthinking that happens. And totally. then 
with the overthinking, there's a lot of what I call FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt that starts creeping in. And then you start trying to find reasons not to do it. And you, a lot of people talk themselves out of it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it sounds like there, there wasn't really even an opportunity for any of that to happen, you know, with your sister. And and then when you got involved and, and started growing the business, but I was going to ask, you know, and you kind of already answered this. Did you have any idea of what it would turn into? No. Um, back no. When you were starting it. Yeah, no way, no way. And, and you know, I think almost if we did know, it might have been scarier and harder. Oh, you know, yeah, I think, I think I, it would have been. You know, you don't, you, to your point about FUD, which I love, because it's true. Like, any, honestly, any responsible human can easily talk themselves out of anything. <laughs> like, because yeah. you just start to think of like, what if? Mm-hmm. Well, you know what, like, you just figure it out. Like if you go too far down all the rabbit holes, like in the future, I mean, you're never going to go anywhere. Like you wouldn't even get out of bed. You know, like if you, yeah. <laughs> if you really yeah. thought about like, I could go outside today and get hit by a car. Like, why yeah. would I even go outside? You know I mean? It can be like, that's ridiculous, but that's really kind of, I think people cut their legs off before they even give themselves a chance to go after it. And I think too, I just feel like, man, wouldn't you rather bet on yourself? Like, and then if you, if it doesn't work, like nobody's paying attention to you. Like everyone's worried about themselves, you know, like, so, like I think nobody's watching that closely. They're not. And I think we think people care, but nobody cares. Everybody cares about themselves and everyone's focused on their own thing. So like, just get after the thing that you love and that you believe in. And that's what I think, you know, it always comes up for me when I'm talking about business is like, if, if you believe in it, that's all that matters. Like yeah. then you have the determination to do the work, to spend the time, to convince other people, to sell it, to, you know, all those things that are important, but if like, but honor yourself. Like if you believe it, give yourself a chance to, to make it happen. Yeah. I have such good advice. And, and, you know, I know we were talking offline and, you know, it kept coming up, just take action. Right. And, and I think that's another great lesson from, you know, the story of you and your sister starting this business is she just started like, you know, she wasn't over there. And I think again, like that's where so many people get hung up is they taking those first couple of steps. But once you kind of dive in, especially as you said, if it's something that you really believe in, like everything will start coming together. And I think with the FUD too, like most people, and it's, it's human nature, we all do it, but most people tend to drastically overestimate what the worst case scenario could be. Like our minds yeah. just run wild with all these outrageous scenarios of what worst case could be. And so if you really sit down and think about it, you're like, okay, is this actually likely to happen? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. And if it does, is it really as bad as I'm kind of imagining it to be in my head? No, probably totally. not. And then the other thing I don't think people spend enough time considering, they think a lot about worst case scenario and what happens if it, I try this and it goes wrong. People tend to overlook the opportunity cost of not trying it. Yeah. What's what's the risk of me not taking action mm-hmm. and not pursuing something that I believe in? And, and you know, usually the risk is, well, 10 years later, you're in the exact same spot that you're in now. And, yeah. you know, right. to me, that's scarier than trying something and, and failing at it um, yeah. and, and not betting on myself. That, that fear of regret, I guess. Um, Without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. And I just, I, I think, you know, to your point about what, how bad, how bad could it really be? Like, you're not, whatever your thought is or your dream or your idea, like, unless it's like brain surgery or like open heart <laughs> surgery, like, nothing, like you're not going to all of a sudden run off the cliff. Yeah. You know, you might start to see the cliff and you might be like, I need to make some corrections to, to get it back on track. But like, nobody's doing things that are like, 
this is life or death and right. every, exactly. you know, like, and frankly, like, don't, don't do that. You know, yeah. like I, I think sometimes there's risks where it's like, well, that's silly. Like don't yeah. do something that could ruin your life in this one decision. But like, that's not really what most decisions are about. Most decisions are like, let's try this step. And then let me see if I need to correct. And then the next step and then the next step, and you'll start to see the cliff come or you'll start to see like green pastures, you know? And, yeah. but it's not so like, you know, such a, you know, black or white, like it's either going to be a huge success or it's going to fail. Like that's not at yeah, all. You're, you're exactly right. So right. And, and, but in our minds, that's, you know, that's kind of what we almost immediately think it's going to yeah. be. Uh, I'm a big Tim Ferriss fan and he's got a Ted talk that he did years ago uh, where he talks about uh, this exercise that he does. He calls it fear setting. And it's exactly what we're talking about right now. Um, so you should, you should check it out. I've talked about it on the yeah. uh, podcast quite a bit, but he, he has a very simplified way of kind of going through this exercise where you literally just list out, you know, what's the worst case scenario uh, you know, what has to happen for the worst case scenario to play out. And if it does, what can I do to build back to where I am today? And he's right. like, nine yeah. times out of 10, you go through that exercise. And, and when you're done, you're like, oh, it's not, it, it, it wouldn't even be that bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah totally. so. Wes here. You may have noticed there's a franchising theme to this podcast. And that's because franchising's had a massive impact on my life. And it's the very reason I'm walking my own path to freedom. In fact, one of my companies is a franchise consulting company where I work with people to help them understand franchising and determine if it might be a good fit for them. And if it is something they want to explore, then I help them navigate the entire investigative process and ultimately find a franchise business that's a great match for them. You know, the fact of the matter is there are thousands and thousands of franchise businesses out there today. And like anything, there are good ones and there are bad ones. Even out of the many, many great franchise companies, not every one of them would necessarily be a good fit for you. You know, buying a franchise is a huge decision and you don't want to wing it. I've helped many people buy franchise businesses over the years and my wife and I have bought and own franchises today and we plan to keep investing in franchise businesses. I love helping people understand this process and help them find a business that's going to be a great fit for them and help them accomplish their goals and ultimately create that freedom in their life that we're all looking for. The best part of all of this is that my services are free to the people I work with. And while I do love to contribute to charities and other great causes, I'm not a nonprofit. I'm compensated by the franchise companies I work with when I introduce them to someone that ends up becoming one of their franchisees. It's very similar to real estate, but with franchises. I have the privilege of working with hundreds and hundreds of the best franchise companies out there across practically every industry. So I can be absolutely confident that when I recommend someone to look at a franchise company, I'm introducing them to a very credible and proven company with a solid business model and great support. So if you think you might be interested in learning more about franchising and seeing if it might be right for you, I'd love to speak with you. Get in touch with me by email at Wes at path2freedom.com, path, the number two, frdm.com. And also check out my website at path2freedom.com, spelled the same way, where I've got a ton of resources, both franchise and non-franchise related, that will help you start down your own path to freedom. And of course, subscribe to and follow the podcast for more great advice about business ownership. 
And if you know anyone else that might be interested in speaking with me, please share this podcast with them. Thanks for listening to my shameless plug. Now let's drop back into the episode. You guys were running this business for, what'd you say, about 10 years before you started franchising it? Is that right? That's right. right. Yep. But in a way, you were almost kind of proving the franchise model before you even started franchising it. You're opening a new location, so you're proving that there's a demand in different markets for uh, you know, these services. And then you were hiring and training managers to oversee mm-hmm. locations that you weren't physically in. So while it's not directly franchising, you were kind of proving the concept and yeah. the process. Yeah. And to the, like, to string it back to the last conversation, like we didn't have some grand plan that that was what we were doing. We didn't continue to expand with thoughts of franchising. We started franchising because we, so we had expanded, you know, we, we, at that point, I want to say, you know, we had multiple locations in Texas, Oklahoma and Kansas, Kansas city, that area. And uh, no, not in Wichita yet. Um, And so we, we want, like, we still have dreams of, you know, uh, a show and characters and backpacks and, you know, like all sorts of things. Like we've got, we write our own music. So we've got, see, we've got characters and we've got like lots of different albums. And, and so we have, you know, beyond like for us, it's a, it's a huge brand that we want to continue to, to build in all different ways. So there is, you know, dance classes and that's a huge part of it. But we also, we were pursuing the idea of a television show back in the day. So oh, this wow. is okay. back like a while ago. Um, so this was, you know, mid two thousands. And, um, so we were working with some animators in LA again, not knowing what we were doing, but like kind of figuring it out. And they gave us little bits and we're like, okay, like here are our characters. This is what we're doing. We're fo- I'm a registered dietitian by schooling. And so okay. we also had a focus on health and nutrition for kids and making exercise fun, which is what awesome. Toes does. Yeah. So we have, you know, we have, we have scripts written, we've got, you know, books written, all this sort of stuff. So we go to LA, we meet the, these animators and it was a disaster. <laughs> It was awful. It was terrible. It was like, oh gosh, no way. Like, this is not what we wanted. This is not, this partnership is not going to work. This is nothing. We thought this was something. It's actually absolutely nothing. And we were with some people that, you know, mentors that we were, that we were happened to be there with. And they said, have you ever talked about franchising or thought about it? And we were like, no, we've never thought about franchising. At this like, point, we're not we had, a fast food company. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Kind of like, I mean, no, what, I mean, no, never, like, I don't know how to franchise. Yeah. And so we left that meeting in LA and I came home and I bought, it's probably somewhere behind me. Here it is. I got this book. Franchising management for dummies. Yep. For dummies, because I had no idea what we were talking about. <laughs> I didn't know a thing. And so I read through the whole book and I'm like, oh, we could totally be a franchise. We should yeah. be a franchise. We're kind of already doing this. Right. And yeah. so, and then that's what happened. And then I started, I, you know, read this and started writing, started writing our manuals, started putting things together, found a consultant who was kind of like, had just left a firm and was kind of semi-retired, but sort of wanted, so he kind of helped us get started. And then that was it. And so, you know, back to like, you, you don't, you don't have to know the end of the story to start writing it, (laughs) you know? And that was for us where it was like, we didn't have any grand plans for this, but when things start to happen, you react and you use your best judgment and you take what you know and what you've learned and what you think and what you hope and you figure out, like shake that all together and see what that looks like. And that's really how franchising came about for us. Um, But you're right in that we could, you know, for our first franchisee, we could say, well, it's worked in South Texas. It's worked in Oklahoma. It's worked in Kansas city. Like 
you know, it's, it crosses different markets and different cultures. And, you know, and so that was a great way for us to start. Cause we kind of already proven the franchise model, even though we didn't mean to. Yeah. <laughs> we, no, we, I know. We're it's, trying to. it's interesting. And, um, we need one in Wilmington, North Carolina, by the way, yes, uh, like I was telling you before we started recording, I'm a dance dad. So, um, mm-hmm. my daughter would be all over this. Um, yes. so you would be, you would, yeah, you would quickly become a way cooler dad to your daughter. I can tell you that because no next thing there's like, you know, next thing, you know, there's like, you know, music albums and costumes and tutus and sparkle ballet slippers. I mean, I've got, I mean, it's all, it's all, <laughs> you, would, I, you would be a favorite for sure. I believe it. So I'll, I'll work on that. Um, yes. My wife has forbidden me to even talk about starting <laughs> another business this year. So, but uh, I'll work on finding someone else for you. Um, I like it. I that, like it. Uh, that might be a good tippy toes franchisee for you. But um, so you guys decided to franchise the business and I mean, how did it go when you, when you were officially ready to franchise. You had your manuals done. You had your disclosure documents done. Um, did, was it just you and your sister talking to people yourselves or how, how did you go about, you know, bringing in those first couple of franchisees? Yeah. So it really was, um, I was living in Cincinnati at the time and I had, you know, recently been married and, um, started it up there. So I was teaching, you know, it was like a corporate location and I was running the tippy toes up there and somebody there saw our business and based that's where we got our first franchise. So this first franchisee saw the business in in action in her community. And she was like, Mm. Ooh, that's, I like that. And, but she was a little bit further away. So that's how she started. So it was a, you know, a, a, warm lead, but we didn't really, we didn't know her other than it was warm in that, that we were in the area. And she was um, familiar with, with she the, knew the brand already. Uh-huh, yeah. because of just being, you know, at the Y or, you know, whatever, seeing it around town. Um, and then, you know, what's really interesting is, is another thing that's happened is a lot of our, you know, teachers over the years, it's become like our teachers work for a while, they become a manager and then they're like, I want my own franchise. I want to do this on my own, which that's is so awesome. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And it's, for me, that's the most validating thing because they see the inside as an employee and they could walk away, but they don't want to, <laughs> you know, they're yeah. like, I, I love it. And, and I see the value. And, um, and so, you know, so early on, and then one of the another early ones, um, was, was a teacher. And then another one was a parent. So the parent was like, they were stationed someplace for temporary amount of time and then they were going to move back to Minnesota. Okay. And and so they experienced it as a customer and they're like we don't have anything like this in Minnesota. I want to bring it back. And so it was always honestly our growth has always been very organic. Yeah. Um, you know, we were on Shark Tank so that wasn't as organic, but um but for the most part it's been people that have experienced our business in some way and then are like we need this where we are. Yeah. I I love seeing brands like yours that can grow organically like that. I think it's a huge testament to to the business itself, right? When employees fall in love with the business and say, I want to own this myself. When clients become franchisees or just people that see it in action say, I want to take this back to, you know, wherever I live. That's such a testament to, to the business itself. And like some brands are better suited for that type of organic growth than others, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, And when you're in a position to grow that way, what better way to grow, right? Because you have raving fans that then become your franchisees. In the case with employees, I mean, you're literally grooming your franchisees uh, before they even become franchisees. So my guess yeah. is the quality of franchisees you're getting uh, through that 
method of growing is probably stronger than if you were just like, you know, running a bunch of digital ads saying, Hey, check out our franchise opportunity. Yep. A thousand percent. I, I love it. When a, when a, t- when a teacher ends up becoming an owner, it's like, there's a shorthand. They come in like the training. They're like, yeah, yeah I got this, you know, yeah. like they, you know, and, but they also, they're excited to be a part of the ownership, you know, yeah. group because our, our group of owners is exceptional and connected and they chat with each other. We're on Facebook. Like it's just all the time, but it's supportive. It's helpful. It's troubleshooting. It's, you know, there. And so to be a part of that group is something that people, um, like that's, that's huge. It's really special. And, and you know, there, it's just such a helpful group of people that really genuinely want to see one another succeed. And, um, you know, it's when you're in a franchise, it's like, you know, you're running your own business, but you're not alone. Yes. And that's what I, I love so much about the franchise model and why I think it's such a brilliant place for people to invest because like you get to do your own thing. Like I don't, I'm not, I'm, they're not my employees. They don't answer to me. You know, I serve them, you know, but I'm here. I'm here if you need it. That's I'm right. going to give you the shortcuts. I'm going to tell you where the potholes are. We're going to get, you know, we're going to, I'm going to actually smooth over the potholes so you don't have to hit them. But when they do come up, I can be like, I got you. This is, this is what we've done for 20 years. And we know this is going to be okay. And you that's know, it's right. like, so, so I, that's what I, I love so much is, is, you know, running your own business and being an entrepreneur, but never being alone. And that's what I think is so unique about franchising versus any other type of entrepreneurship. Well, it is. And I mean, everything that, you know, you guys do in your corporate office to support your franchisees. But as you were mentioning earlier, having the other franchisees that you can learn from and lean on and share best practices with. And, you know, to me, that's such an important component of a good franchise organization is having a strong culture uh, and, and great relationships, not just between the franchisor and the franchisees, but amongst the franchisees. Totally. And, you know, when I'm working with people looking at franchises, like there's, there's a lot to evaluate, right? And, and a lot of people want to really focus on the numbers and, and all that, which is obviously important. But uh, I'm always really recommending, especially when they get to the point of validating and talking to other franchisees, you know, get a sense of what is, what is the culture within this organization. And, you know, you want to feel confident that not only is there a strong culture there, but that you're going to be a good fit culturally, because, you know, if, if you've got a, if you're joining a franchise organization that has a strong culture that has, you know, community amongst their franchisees, this sense of kind of shared learning and everyone yeah. wanting to help each other out, like that's a game changer, you know, mm-hmm. versus yes. like I've seen franchises where, you know, they're not like rooting for each other to fail, but like no franchisee is going to go out of their way to help another franchisee. Yeah. Their, their mindset yeah. is, well, what's in it for me? Um, so that's, and, that's huge. Yeah. It's kind of intangible, uh, you know, yeah. compared to, you know, looking at the numbers, but, uh, I think it's so important. It is. I couldn't agree more. And I, I also feel like, you know, I think when you're in the discovery process of looking for a brand, like, you know, when somebody comes to want to look at tippy toes, wants to consider it, um, you know, we will give them recommendations of people to talk to, you know, down the road. Like if you want to talk to these owners, you can reach out. It's on, you know, we give them a list basically because it's like, we know this person will get back to you quickly, you know, yeah. whatever your time is. But like, honestly, I'm like, call anybody. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. like, I, you know, and I, I feel like that's a good indicator. Like you can talk to anybody because, you know, if, if somebody's unhappy, then I should know ahead of time. <laughs> and, you know, like all of it, so I, I have nothing to hide. And a franchisor yeah. should not have one thing to hide. And, and I think I can't imagine being in a system where 
franchisees do anything other than help each other out. Like that yeah. makes the whole brand stronger. Um, 100%. And, and one of the things I know we were going to talk about is, um, you know, the, what you learn through franchising. And to me, I've learned like if Sarah, my sister, Sarah and I, if we would have just, be, if we are the only idea people for the past 22 years, it's going to get real stale. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. we have a lot of great ideas and mo and like, you know, we've created all of it and whatever, but like, there's so many ideas that are infused into our company because we listen to our franchise owners because yep. we take their perspective, like 20, 36 people are stronger than one. And so, you know, being a part of that's, and that's just our culture. Like, listen, everybody's got their own thing and their own process. And, and I get that. Um, but I, what I love is like, I want people to be an addition to our company. They don't have to fall in line with who we are. I want That's you to right. bring, bring you to tippy toes yeah. because you can bring, make us stronger. I see every franchisee as a potential, you know, buoy for our company, like build us yeah. up, bring us higher. You know, now there's no pressure for that. You don't have to, you can come in. Sure. You don't have a quota. Yeah. You can come in, just follow, follow what we do. We will love it. We will support you. No, there's no expectation, but don't feel like you have to fit in. Don't feel like you have to, you know, be this person, like bring whoever you are. And honestly, some of the people that some of our franchise owners that have helped our brand the most don't think like I do at all. You yeah. know, they're either, they have different mindsets and they see things differently. And that's such an asset to our company. If the people in leadership recognize that and, and make it a safe place for them, you know, um, I just, I love our franchise owners and I think, they're so powerful and I want them to know that, that they, they are valued for who they are yeah, and just well, exactly as they are. I mean, kudos to, to you and your sister for thinking that way and encouraging that because yeah, there's some franchisors out there that they're more so looking for robots that are just going to, like you said, kind of fall in line. And, you know, I think a, a good sign of what a franchisor is going to be able to do in the future is, are they willing to listen to their franchisees? Are they always looking for ways that they can continue to innovate and improve and, yeah. and get better. And listening to your franchisees is the best way to do that because they're the ones, you know, out there running these businesses day in and, yeah. and day out. And right. uh, yeah, that's something we look for in the franchises that we've invested in is, yes, we want good systems and processes to follow, but we also don't want no such rigid systems and processes that we don't have the ability to to innovate, to think outside of the box and just kind of bring our own style to the business. Yeah. yeah without a doubt. And it really needs to be the balance because yeah. I know, you know, when people come in, like, it's not like, Oh, whatever you want to do is great. You know, it's not at all like that. It's like, this right. is what we do. Here are the dances. Here are the videos. Here's the choreography. You don't have to come to us with dance. You don't have to even like dance, but you have to want to impact your community through this business. And, um, and you know, but, but also I just think like everything, in business and parenthood and eating and nutrition and whatever, it's all about balance, you know? Yeah. And I, and yeah. I just, I feel like to, to ever be in a position of leadership and to think that you have all the answers is such a huge mistake. You know, I just, there's, there's so much out there. There's so much to learn. And the other thing that's, that's interesting about to be does. And one thing I've recognized over the years is I did teach for years. Like I actually taught recently, like a, a year and a half ago or so, just because of circumstances I, I got, I started teaching, but I hadn't taught for years. So when we developed Tippy Toes, 
Sarah and I, we were teaching a lot, you know, yeah, so it was sure. very, our perspective was different. Now it's been years removed and we're focusing on the brand and building the brand and writing music and getting on billboards and entrepreneur magazine and where are we going to, how are we going to, so our mindset's a little bit different, which means that our, pers- that our franchisees perspective is even more important to us mm. because we're, we're pulled back from it a little bit. So as our company evolves, making sure that we evolve with it based on what our roles are, or whatever, like that's, that's one thing that's changed. So I think right when we started, it wasn't, I wasn't looking for as many, um, you know, ideas or whatever from our franchisees. Cause I was like, no, I'm like in it. I know exactly what we need to do sure. as things have changed and my role has changed. I'm like, I want to make sure that, that the, the heartbeat of the company, which is teaching and dance class is heard and felt right all the way up to Sarah and I, that we are really connected to that. Yeah. That's such a good point because sometimes franchisors, they do get kind of far removed from the actual business and they can, you know, maybe lose tune a little bit with, you know, what the franchisees are dealing with on a day-to-day basis, what the clients are are really asking for. And so if, if the franchisor isn't, you know, really looking to their franchisees for, you know, some guidance in terms of what, you know, what should we be thinking about doing differently that, Mm -hmm. that we're not currently doing. So that's, that's huge. Um, I, you mentioned Shark Tank earlier. I, I know you get asked about this all the time, so I don't want this to dominate the conversation, <laughs> but uh, I, I I can't let you go before uh, you share a little bit of your experience from Shark Tank. Um, how, how did you guys get on the show? Anyway, you were in what, season two? So this was- We were, yeah, we were we premiere were episode. Yeah, premiere episode season two. I'll tell you how early it was, is I came back after being on it and told people about it. And like some people thought I was like doing a shark show, like with sharks. <laughs> like, so like, you're on Shark Week? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that was, that comment was said to me so many times. So think back, like it's so crazy how many years it's been on now. But it, I mean, when we were on, I was like, I hope the show makes it. I don't know. It was like, we love it. I love it. But is it going to make it? I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, and my sister and I did not submit to be on it. My brother-in-law did without telling us. So we watched season one. We loved it. Um, and my brother-in-law like was sitting there watching it one night with my sister and submitted us an application. And they called Sarah. They were like, Hey, you know, we want to talk to you about being on Shark Tank. And we were like, oh, they found us. Like, what? <laughs> this is amazing. We've been then, discovered. We've, exactly. And then it was like, Adam's like, Oh yeah, I submitted that. And we're like, Oh, well, still super cool. <laughs> still but, cool. Yeah, I'll take it. Um, and so, so yeah, so I mean, it's an interesting process for sure. You work with a producer and they kind of help you with your pitch and give you, you know, give you guidance for sure on what that's going to look like. You never know what you're going to get. Like you never know if you're going to get to LA. You never know if you're going to get in front of the sharks. If you get in front of the sharks, you don't know if you'll be aired. So there's like, yeah. you're on the, yeah, you're on the ropes, like every minute of it, you know, but you like become, you really want it to happen, you know? So it's, it's really an interesting position because you're like, no control. You have no control right. over so many things. Um, and that's one of my, so anyway, so we go on Shark Tank. Um, we get the call like a few days before we're going to fly there. And we're, we're, we were like, we're there for a week and you just keep waiting every day for the call, whether or not you're going to get to go to the studio and be in front of the sharks. And so I can't we were, imagine that. <laughs> oh my like, gosh. That, that must've been nerve wracking. It was nerve wracking, but shopping on Rodeo Dry and going to a Lakers game helped us get past that those nerves. We were like, you "Listen, we're here. There's we're gonna ways make to, yeah, past I hear time. that." Um, and so, so anyway, so we um, we were the last day, so it was the last day of shooting, and we got a call, and they were like, "Okay, you're gonna come to the studio." So we go, and then like again, you're like, "I," you still don't know if you're gonna get in front of the sharks. You still aren't told anything like that, and so then luckily. Um, 
we got in front of the sharks and, um, and we were in front of them for an hour and we got a deal with Mark Cuban and, uh, you know, I mean, it's really that the walk down the hallway to the sharks, that is what I say. That's where all the butterflies live in the on earth. Like it is <laughs> so nerve wracking walking there. Oh, I bet. And when the yeah. doors open, uh-huh. like, is it yeah. really as dramatic as they make it seem uh-huh. on, on TV? Yes, it is. Yeah. It is. It's actually more, it's funny when I watch now, I'm like, I can't believe I did that. Like what? Right. Yeah. But, I did that. Yeah. But they, I will tell you, you did a one dry, one like dry run. Um, and we had kids with us cause we were dancing. And so right. that, yeah. that was like a secret weapon. We didn't know we had until oh. we get out there. Like we were practicing. We're like, okay, kids, this is where we're going to be. And the sharks are kind of there like on their phone or everything. And they're like, they see kids and they're like, Oh, Hey, like they're, so it kind of, it was a, it was a really helpful thing for us. So Everyone kind of drops their guard a little totally. bit cause their kid, no one's going to curse at you properly. Cause yes. you've got kids in the room. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> brilliant it, it worked I mean we didn't know what we were doing but that that was an outcome so then anyway so we go back for the official shot and um and then we start and we we go out and I'll tell you that the butterflies went away as soon as you start talking about your business it's like you're not gonna stump me I know my business like yeah. I know it now also we prepared our face off like you know that was one thing and, and one of the lessons I've learned from Shark Tank is you can only control what you can control I didn't yes. know what the producers would do. I didn't know what the sharks would say. I didn't know how they would edit it. I didn't know if we'd get a deal. I didn't know if the kids would dance. I didn't know. I didn't, there was so much I couldn't control. But everything that I could control, I did. And yep. Sarah and I focused on being extremely prepared. So we knew that speech inside and out. We practiced it leading up to it over and over and over for our family. We did it in the dark. You know, we did it in all these different circumstances. We studied the sharks. I knew mm. that Barbara had a five-year-old daughter, so that was going to be good. I knew Mark had a history of ballroom dancing, so that could play into our favor. I knew, you know, like you start to know their things. I knew kind of you want to know their history because that sure. just only gives you confidence and helps you relate to people. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we knew our numbers. We knew what we wanted to do. We knew we went in there with a goal to get a deal, period, because mm. if we got a deal, it would be a lot harder to make us look like fools, which they can very easily do. So, yes, like, they can, yeah. You know, I mean, we, we genuinely wanted a deal, but also we wanted to make sure that that happened, you know? Um, and so we control the things we could control. And when you do that, you feel confident. So when you do the things, like if you're preparing for a meeting, if you go in unprepared, it doesn't feel good. You don't look good. You feel insecure. You feel like you, you know, it just doesn't, doesn't work. But if you go in super prepared, you're like, I got this. Like I, and there's a sense of confidence. And I swear to you, I think what they, I mean, shark buy into the people, you know, there's, oh, yeah. this, it's an, an idea is an idea. Ideas in America are a dime a dozen. There's tons of great, great ideas, but yeah. the people behind the business is what they're buying into on Shark Tank. Yeah. I think it's Damon says that all the time. He's like, I'm investing in the entrepreneur. Yeah. Right? It could be the best business idea I've ever heard, but if I don't believe in the entrepreneur, I'm out. Right. Absolutely. And I think, and, and so I think that's what they all bought into. And so, you know, Mr. Wonderful made an offer. Um, Barbara was going to make an offer. Um, Mark ended up taking our offer. It was uh, the, the way they did it. It was, it was a great like TV moment. Well, I went back and watched it uh, in, in preparation for this. So, and, and you guys, you know, you were in season two, right? So you didn't have as like someone going on Shark Tank. Now they've got seasons and seasons and seasons of examples to kind of know I think a little yeah. more what to expect because so Mark basically told y'all to go out of the room 
talk about what your best and final offer would be, come back in and make it. And he was going to say yes or no. And you had to answer him or, or take his deal before even listening to any of the other sharks or something to that extent. Yes. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So we go out, the camera's on us and we're like trying to do math, which side note, when you're on show tank <laughs> and there's a camera right here, like yeah. I couldn't have spelled my name in that moment. Like I was confident in front of the sharks, but like I was literally like counting on my fingers, covering my face because I didn't want them to put it on camera sure. because I was like, yeah. I, I don't even, I can't tell you a percentage of a number right now. Like I couldn't think straight, which, you know, I mean, that's, yeah, that's a lot of pressure when you're negotiating oh like equity and investment amounts and you're, you're like Forget on it. the spot. Yeah. Forget it. And there's a video camera. Like there's a, I mean, right. it, there's like people, there's like, it, it's crazy anyways. So it, you know, so yes, yeah, so that is what Mark did, which was super smart for him. So yeah. we come yeah. back in and we're kind of just like, whatever, but like it all happened pretty quickly. And so we said it and Mark was like, done deal. Yes. You know? And so it was a, it was a fun moment. And then Barbara was like ticked that she, she didn't get to negotiate and, um, and you know, high fives and hugs to Mark. And we ran out and we were like, all right, we just got a deal on Shark Tank. Close the deal with Mark Cuban. No yeah. big deal. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and then after the fact, you know, things, you know, nothing's set in stone. So after the sure. fact, um, you know, we were working with, we would, it was great. Like Mark, we would email back and forth. He would be, he was very responsive and helpful. You know, we just talk about, we had business questions or ideas or whatever we talk with him about. And then we were working through the contract with his team, an attorney and a business consultant. And, um, that wasn't really a negotiation, really. What we were, we had some things in the contract that we were not comfortable with. Like we could only franchise. That was a big thing on the show is they were like, don't do the TV show. Don't do anything else. Just go sign those contracts. Like just right. get people Sell franchises. Yeah. Yeah. And that was never, that's not what Sarah, like we are entrepreneurs in that we want to build this brand. We want to do TV shows. We want to do books. We want to do music. Our music's been number one on iTunes for kids multiple times. Like that we wow. want to do all these things, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so that for us was a real problem. And yeah, so you didn't want to be locked into just, no, just franchising, signing contracts. No way. Like that, that, I love doing that in accordance with all the other things that we do, you know? Right. Um, and so that was a negotiation, a negotiating point that they would not bend on and, and it just didn't feel right. And so, um, after going back and forth and really just being like, Can you, this is just, this is not something we can agree to. Um, and we ended up saying, you know, we just, we have to walk away because we can't, you know, we appreciate the opportunity and would love to have had this work, but we can't say that we won't ever do other things. Like we, that's not the partnership we want. We want to be able to be ourselves in this partnership. Yeah. And so we walked away and Mark was not happy and, um, you know, but I haven't regretted it a day in my life because if I was still sitting here signing contracts for people to be in franchise, like, that's just not fun for me. And a part of what I do to be just worse, cause I love it. I believe sure. in what we do. I care about the whole brand and that would have taken out so much of the fun for me. And you know, having him as a partner and getting some cash would have been fun, but like that all goes away, you know, at oh, a certain, yeah. it doesn't last. Yeah. And I mean, credit to you and Sarah for, being willing to stay true to your vision. Uh, Cause I, I don't think a lot of entrepreneurs would have walked away from a deal with Mark Cuban. Um, but you know, it, it is kind of like what we were talking about earlier with franchisors giving their franchisees the ability to try different things and to innovate. And, you know, you guys didn't want to lock yourselves into only having that one Avenue to, right. to grow the brand. Uh, so I think it's very, 
very admirable and took a lot of courage. But Thanks. so like, so like if, if you emailed Mark Cuban today, would, would he uh, respond to you? I don't think so. No. <laughs> was, he really, was he really mad? Uh-huh. Yeah. Was he really mad? Like, uh-huh. mm-hmm. like had some choice words for you, mad? Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Via email. Yeah. But yeah. he was, he was not happy. He you uh, saved the emails, didn't you? You have uh-huh. them somewhere, don't yeah. you? Yeah, yep. it's the best motivation. But best <laughs> motivation ever. Yeah, he yeah. was like, this is BS. You should never treat, I hope you don't treat other people like this. And, you know, and, and it was like, man, and if you would have seen our email, our email was like, thank you, thank you, thank you. This is such an opportunity. We really want to make this work. This is, you know, just like, it wasn't like we, I mean, and also like, Mark, do you really care? Like, you know, I, I don't really think he's that worried about is this. Is this going to break you if it doesn't, yeah, like, are you so <laughs> doesn't sad? work out? <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, for us, it was just like, once you start negotiating the things that you really care about for money or for like clout with a f- person, like, I just feel like that's a really slippery slope. And I didn't want, you know, that it, it wasn't easy. Like I make it now, it sounds like it was a, you know, we thought about it. We don't want to do that. So no, like it was a lot of conversation, a lot of heart, oh, I'm sure. heart to hearts and, you know, having, and, and luckily Sarah and I agreed and we were both like, this just doesn't feel right. And, um, what, so, what was the deal? It was like a hundred thousand for 30%. 30%. Yeah. yeah. So I'm sure, yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, he's, he Why might be kicking him. Yes. Yeah, he might be kicking himself a little bit now. Like, hmm, maybe <laughs> I should have so. just let them uh, take that. Let them do out. their thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that would. Um, nice. So you know, I'm sure it would have been great, especially at that time, to get the hundred thousand dollars. But no you know, clearly, you've been able to make it without that hundred k. And now you have a really cool story to tell about pissing Mark Cuban off and you have, (laughs) you know, some, some, uh, funny emails from him. And now I live in Dallas, which is funny because I didn't live in Dallas at the time. So now I'm here. I'm like, oh, great. (laughs) Everyone's like, do you hang out with Mark? I'm like, uh, no, we don't hang out with Mark. I'm sure. Yeah. We all, we've all moved on. I I don't get invited to his house parties. (laughs) Um, well, don't feel bad. I don't either. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) so, uh, I want to, before, before we wrap this up, I want to, have you talk a little bit more about like the actual franchise opportunity for tippy toes. So like maybe start like, who are you looking for? I know you've already said, you know, it's, you've had employees that have gone on to become franchisees, you know, clients. um, And it needs to be a good culture fit, but like, do you have kind of like a, a, a target? I don't like to use the word profile, but do you, do you have like kind of a target individual that, you know, you know would make a great, tippy toes franchisee because you mentioned earlier you don't even have to like dance to necessarily you know be a good franchisee for tippy toes yeah and I think Wes what you do in your business and how you help people understand franchising I think that is so crucial and it's such a resource for people that are interested because to that point about you don't have to love dance I think a lot of people don't even knock on our door because they think I don't know anything about dance yeah and it's like yeah that is like, that's what we're here for. Like you come to us. We'll t- I mean, listen, it's like I said, we're not doing brain surgery. We're teaching four-year-olds how to point their toe. Like this <laughs> is not confusing. It's not difficult. And there are so many amazing teachers out there that you can hire to do a great job. And we've got videos, you know, we've got all this stuff. So I, I think the work that you do, I, I think anybody interested in franchising should connect with you. Um, because I think Thank it's, you. it's really crucial though. Like it's, because uh, of all the things, I mean, this whole conversation is so important for people to understand. There's so much more than the FDD. There's so much more than, you know, even the bottom line sometimes, because if you're in yeah. a toxic environment, that's not good either, you know? So, so our franchisee, I'll tell you the people that do the greatest 
are people that um, enjoy sales because you are going to be selling. You're going to schools and you're going to daycares and preschools and you're selling the business. Um, and yep. then you're also selling to the teacher or to the families, you know. So um, being able to work with people is important. And I would say this, that we, Tippy Toes is a business where someone can come in as an investor and then they can have this person that I'm describing kind of run the business or okay. someone can come in. You know, so either model works for so us. So it, it can be the, the buzzword in franchising is semi-absentee. So it could yes. be kind of run semi-absentee. It does. It can, as long as the person that's running it, you know, that is, is engaged, it, right. Is engaged. Yeah. And yeah. um, as long as there's somebody that, that does that. And we've, we've seen that happen actually organically. We've seen that happen where owners hire a manager that's really, really strong and they kind of float, the owner kind of floats back. And um, in those cases, we really let that manager kind of take the role of the owner as far as connecting with the other owners. Cause it's such an asset. It's such a tool, our franchise yeah. group. And so you see that and it's worked beautifully. It's worked amazingly. Yep. Um, and so it's somebody that, you know, is great with people that ha you have to have a motor, like you've got to be a, a go getter. I, I think sometimes the idea of a franchise model, it's like, Oh, it's already there for me. It's like a little bit easier. It's like, no, you're running a business. You still got to have that motor. You've got yeah, to like, it's not going to fall into your lap. You still got to yeah. work. You're just working smarter because there's exactly. a blueprint to follow. You're working off of a blueprint, but you've got to have that, that grit and that like, yeah. I think there's a little bit, our, our, our top owners have this tenacity. That's like, I want to get that school so bad. You know, like that, that tenacity yeah. goes a long way. Um, and then somebody that can manage a staff, you know, that's really important because, you know, the most, most likely every, every leader of the company. So whether it's the owner or the manager or whatever, they're going to have a staff of teachers that is going around and teaching. So making sure that they're able to manage them well, yep. um, you know, and execute, but, but really that's, that's the key. And, and I do think it's important to want to make an impact in your community because Definitely. it's how you, you know, that's how you talk to your customers. That's how you're communicating with schools. That's when you're participating in, you know, community events and things like that. You are involved in the community and you want to be, that's a huge asset because we want to yeah. be toast to add to every community that it's in. And it does yeah. We do that all over where it fairs and, you know, performing in parades or whatever. And it's, it's awesome. And it makes community stronger and happier. And what I love most is what Tipitos does for families. And so I really, you know, it, it creates less stress for families because they're not yeah. running around. You know, we also aren't competitive. So there's not this like constant feeling of like, we have to do more. We have to pay more. We have to do this. We have to travel. Like they're little kids. They're under yeah. the age of 12 at Tipitos. Like you should be having fun. Learn. You should be, you should be learning dance. You should be having fun. You should be, you know, feeling confident. You should be learning a new skill and seeing that like, Oh my gosh, I can learn something new. Like those, those pieces are so important. Yeah. Um, so, so I don't know that I really answer your question other than somebody that isn't afraid of sales connects well, like as a manager, managing other people and has got some tenacity in them to, to really get after it. Cause like any, and I would say that really is probably the, the recipe for a lot of people who want to, to run any kind of business, but for tippy toes, it translates well. And the dance comes, we've got videos for that. We've got glossaries for that. We've got a video library for that. Like that it's just not a prerequisite. Um, well, and my guess is you're not even really wanting to see your franchisees spending too much of their time teaching classes, at least, you know, once they're yeah. in the business. I mean, cause like you said, you're looking for people that can, put a staff in place and manage the staff. Yeah. And, and I like this business is such a good example of, you know, what you were saying a, a few minutes ago in terms of like 
we're here to teach the dance. You don't need to be an expert at dance to be a good fit for our franchise. And it is something that's so counterintuitive for most people. And mm-hmm. like, this is the first thing I sit down and work with people on when I start my consulting process with them is like, let's get clear on what your role as the owner should look like. And then right. let's, before we ever talk about industries or, or what types of products or services, because a lot of times that doesn't matter. Uh, not saying right. it doesn't matter. Like, you know, everyone wants to believe in whatever it is that they're selling and they should, but it doesn't matter in terms of whether it's a good fit because you don't need to be an expert in whatever right. industry you're getting into. Like I told you before we started recording, we own a shelving franchise. <laughs> I couldn't build or install a shelf to save my life. Yeah. Uh, if it were up to me, we would have been out of business before we ever started. Um, <laughs> but it's not my role, right? So um, right. I, I love that example. And, and no, you answered the question beautifully. So in terms of like kind of how your business model works, is this, so, so you're going to schools, uh, daycares, I think you mentioned YMCAs earlier, yep. and you're, you're conducting these classes uh, at those facilities, right. right? So your franchisees don't have to open up a dance studio themselves. Right. So I imagine that that requires a lower investment to get this right. business up and running than it would if they had to go out and lease uh, a space and convert it into a dance studio and everything that comes with that. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, we're on the, not tail end, I don't know where we are with the COVID business, but we haven't had one franchise close or stop. Um, and I, awesome. I attribute one of those things is the flexibility of our model. So we have, we absolutely do have some franchise owners that have opened a studio, but okay. we do not recommend them coming into the business doing that. Listen, dance, if, if you're a parent, then you know, there's a lot of dance companies out there. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not in a business with no competitors. There's, there's every town's got 10 dance companies at least that offer dance classes. So what makes us different? Well, we can go in without worrying about the toilet overflowing or the rent or the, the driveway that's bumpy and the parents get mad about or what all those things, they can go away for us. What we can spend the first few years on is building our reputation, our brand, our connection with our customers. Cause we put the, we put our customers on a pedestal with the parents. Like we're so honored that our parents and families come to join tippy toes. That is the most important thing for our franchisee when they start, like I'm going to make this community better and stronger because I'm going to take care of my customers. And so they can focus on that. They can go to, they can go to, you could have 400 kids and not have a, have a studio. Then what's beautiful is then you can open a studio and you're not like, are people going to show up? Are people going to come? How's this going to work? You know? And then that creates, so we also do special events. We do princess camps. We do tea parties. We do, um, you know, dances with dad. We do all these cool, fun events. And what's awesome is once you do have a studio, you don't have to try to get the local community center or whatever. So at a certain point, it starts to make more sense for your business to get a studio, but you can ramp up to that That's place, right. yep. you know, and you can prove yourself. It's honestly like what Sarah and I did with Tippy Toes. Like we proved that we could be a successful yep. franchise before we even dipped our toe in the water. So our franchisees have the ability to not have the overhead, not take that fear out of like, I don't know how to manage a business. I don't know what a landlord, I don't know what the rent's going to be. It's so hard. Like take that out of the equation. Gone. Let's just focus on the business, building the brand, building your name awareness in the town and the city. And then you can evolve into the studio, which we do. And a lot of our franchise, we have a franchise owner that has four franchises and she has 
in one of her locations, she has two studios because she's expanded wow. so much. Yeah. So like we have that. And then we also have somebody who's getting ready to start in Louisville for the first time. She's probably going to teach everything because she was a teacher turned manager turned franchise owner. She's going to teach a whole bunch. She's in her early twenties and she's going to crush it. She's going to go all over. Yep. And then at, as her business develops, that, that, that door opens, you know, yeah. to consider a studio. Once you've got 400 paying students, a monthly tuition. Got good cash flow. More sense. That makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. No doubt. I love that approach because what it I'm sure also does is it, it makes this a feasible opportunity for a lot of, you know, your franchise candidates that may not be in a financial situation to start a business from day one where they're going to have uh, a physical location because, you know, I look at a lot of franchises, they all give an initial investment range. The franchise fees are all pretty standard across the board. You know, there's a little bit of variance, but it's not the franchise fees that, you know, result in, you know, these much higher investment ranges for some businesses compared to others. It's the infrastructure that you right. need. It's, right. do you need a physical location? Do you need to do a build out or a remodel? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, equipment, inventory, like this is a lean, really yeah. no overhead business model, which is yeah. a great way to get started. And then to your point, like you've proven this business is scalable. You've mm -hmm. got franchisees running big operations out there. So you can add, you know, layers of infrastructure in as the business is growing. And right. like that's our first franchise was the same way, home-based. I mean, we had seven-figure mm -hmm. business that my wife was running from the sunroom of our house without even a door that she could close. Yeah, uh, yeah. So totally. That, yeah. We have a building now. But, yeah. you know, we took us a few years to get to where it even made sense yeah. to start thinking about that. So. And, you know, I think sometimes people get, like, stuck in, like, the, but the you know, thinking it's not, like, sexy enough. You know, like, yeah. I, I need to yeah. have it. I need to have this. And it's like, you you could do that. Like, at what cost, though? You know, like, does, yeah. to me, it's like, I'd way rather work smarter. Like, and 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 sometimes it makes sense. And if you got, if you got the funds and you could do it, like, awesome. But, like, it having a building doesn't mean you're going to be successful or that your business is stronger or better, better or whatever. It's just, it's, it's part of the business. And so yeah. I think kind of getting rid of all the like, you know, but I work from home. Is that really, it's like, I've worked from home my whole life and I love it. And yep. you know, like it doesn't make me any less of a COO because I might not have, you know, a button on my pants right now. I might have yoga. <laughs> That is the case. Might not even be wearing you know, pants. Luckily, I am wearing pants. I, I'm not going to prove it, but I am wearing pants. But, but I mean, the point, like, who cares? Like, I, I'm. It doesn't matter, you know. And yeah. so, I think we've always been super pragmatic in how we do things. Like, you know, we we haven't ever had debt. We haven't, you know, but that feels right for us, and that's that's worked well for us. And we like that spot. And we like that spot for our franchise owners. And, um, but I love they have the option. You know, they have the option yeah. and, and different owners have different motors. And some of it, like the one that has four franchises and two studios, well, her motor is different than one that's like, I love this business, but I don't want a studio. I don't want to deal with that. I want to mm -hmm. have 300 students consistently and I love it. And I want my life to work around my business and I have a staff that I love. And it's, I mean, so what, that's the other thing I love about our, our Tippy Toes franchise model is you could get a snapshot from each franchise. And obviously we want really high performing. We've changed over the years, kind of what we're looking for. I think early we set out and we had some people that started thinking it would kind of be like a part-time, like mm. I want to, you know, which is not like, they don't wanted go to into dabble it. in it. Yeah. They wanted to dabble, but like still be a full-time parent or whatever, which I am too. Like I get that, but I have also known like, that's a really hard road. Like wait until you can really give yeah. more to the business. Cause it's, it takes everything out of you. If you're going to run a business, 
no matter what, franchise, your own business, like it's going to take a lot of grit and determination. So like, that's another thing when people come to buy a franchise to start, like I, I work with Chick-fil-A and talk to them because they're awesome and amazing and love them. Yeah. Um, and we've had the opportunity to go to, to the headquarters there and a couple times and learn from them. Wow. And one of the things that they've told us is they're like, we basically spend the first part of it trying to convince them not to like telling them all the awful things and how good oh, yeah. it is and how bad it is. And, you know, and, and I think if someone's selling you on a franchise and it sounds amazing and it's easy and it just money just rolls in like run for the door because big red flag. Yes. Right. Like maybe the money does come in. Maybe it's great, but it's not coming easily. Like everything there's a price to pay and like to, to run a business, you've got to be ready to go. Now, hopefully you like the business and that's where I come in. Like I love what I do. So like I work hard, but I love it. So I don't, can't, you know, it's like, doesn't a, even, it doesn't even feel like work. You're doing what you want to be doing. Totally. Yeah. So, yeah. um, anyways. no, it's, it's, it's such a cool business model and, and I love what you guys are doing. You know, where, where do you see the business going from here? What is the vision that, that you and Sarah have? And I mean, obviously that could change, but as we sit here today, like what's, what's the, the big, hairy, audacious goal. Yes. I love that book. Um, so we want to continue to grow our franchises, you know, our footprint in the United States. The big, the big huge thing is I want it to be a household name worldwide. I want Tippy Toes to be something like synonymous with if your kid's a dancing four-year-old, it's Tippy Toes. Like I want that to be what, you know, I want us to be everywhere and I want it to be what every child's, how they, their introduction to dance and, you know, their first you know, 10 years of dance, I want it to be with Tippy Toes. So I want to continue to expand franchising. We will continue to, you know, our, our classes are branded Tippy Toes. We have mm -hmm. music with our characters. And, and like I said, we've been on iTunes charts and billboard charts with our music. Um, so I want to continue to really solidify our brand. We hope to still have a show and, you know, there's all these avenues that we feel like we can serve um, because we have these customers that love it. They already yeah. love our brand. They come to us you know, thousands of families all over the, the world. And, um, we just want to keep serving them and finding new ways to do that. So, you know, I, I mean, I, I want, I want it to be a household name all across the world. So that's, that's the thing. <laughs> I, I love it. And I think you're well on your way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, but we do want to continue to sell franchises and, and expand in the United States. There's a lot I have in my office. Let me show you. I've got our map, which is funny it. though, because I'm like, I, 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 I look at it, but I'm, I also always say like our franchises aren't like, there's not just a tick on the map. It's not just like, boom, okay, done next. You know, like they're a family. Right. I, sure. I see the, you know, it's, it's so much more than that, but there's a lot of open space. Yep. And, um, and we're in a position now where we're proven we've done this for, you know, 12 years, like we're ready to go. We're ready to scale in a different way to be perfectly honest for the past, you know, I've got three kids. My sister has three kids. We've been raising our kids while we've, expanded to be toes and yeah. our kids are getting older. And so there's this different kind of tenacity from us right now, as far as wanting to expand and how we want to do that. So we are, we are ready to roll and, and grow in a big way. Well, I'm excited to see what you guys do with it. Looks like a Thank rocket you. ship to me. So, um, <laughs> you. you know, and, and before I let you go, I want to, um, just kind of quickly, if you have like maybe five more yeah. minutes, um, just kind of pick your brain a little bit, um, and you know, you mentioned you and your sister having kids, raising kids. So, you know, I always like to, uh, get some words of wisdom from my guests for the aspiring entrepreneurs out there. Yeah. Um, but you know, with you specifically, I, I'd love to get, you know, your thoughts on 
how you've been able to successfully juggle running and growing a business while also, you know, being a mom and all the responsibilities that come with that. Cause that takes up yeah. like a little bit of your time, right? A little, bit. Yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Cause bit. I think that's, I mean, my wife does a great job with it, but it's, yeah. it's you know, it's a struggle. You're always trying to find this balance. And like, I talk to a lot of people out there that, you know, it, the wife wants to start a business, but she has kids and she's really nervous. Like, is this going to be a, a good thing or a bad thing like for my kids? So like, how have you been able to, to kind of strike that balance? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you first, there's a season for everything. Mm. And, and I think that's really important for people to recognize. There was a season when I had all these dreams. I was listening to Gary, v pod, Gary V's podcast, like religiously, I was all deep in his stuff, loving it. But I was also you know, feeding babies and doing nap schedules and changing 50 diapers a day and all the things he talked about, I loved, I appreciated it really sunk into me, but I couldn't have done anything he talked about at that point because I right. chose in my life. Like we didn't have, and everybody does their own thing, but like what we didn't have any help. We didn't have anybody doing anything for us. I did everything. And, and I have an incredibly supportive husband. So that's another, that's my secret weapon is my husband who, mm we are, we are simpatico. We, you know, we share whatever I support him. He supports me. He travels. I, you know, whatever, like we, we are a team. So that's yeah, huge. That is important. It is. The other thing is, like I said, is there's a season. So in my season where I couldn't actually do stuff, that's the truth. I really couldn't like the things that Gary V was talking about, do this, just take action, just start doing this. Da, 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 da. You're like, I yeah, couldn't. Gary, you feed three kids. Let's see that. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and, but I think the problem is when you start comparing yourself to that person, yeah. that you are screwed. You are, yeah. you are dead in the water. Don't compare yourself to somebody in a different position. You yeah. know, like, so do you, that's the most important thing. So what I did during that time, all I could really do is like prime my brain. I could just prepare myself for what I thought I wanted to do. And I didn't really know. But at that point, I started thinking about this idea of a podcast. And mm. I thought, man, I really want to do a podcast. Gary V talks all the time about like start something, they do something. And I had a bit like I had tippy toes. I was still doing that. But I had this, I, like I really wanted, but I didn't know anything else. I just kept feeding this urge to do more. But I knew I couldn't actually do anything about it. So as soon as my youngest was three and was going to be in preschool for five days a week, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have so much time. I've got time. I've got time. This is unbelievable. So I started taking little action steps to actually like, it was, I, I like to think of it like taking action. There's planning. That's not taking action. There's mm. theorizing. There's like looking at like what I did with Gary V. Like that wasn't taking action. That was listening. You were, to you were learning though. You were educating yourself, right. preparing yourself for when you could start taking action. But what you can't do is think that you're doing something at that point. Like it was good. good and I was priming yeah, yeah. myself, but yeah. don't fool yourself into thinking you should have fruit from that. You're not going to have fruit until you actually start to take action. Great point. And so, so, but it was great. So I don't regret that time, but I, sure. I made the most of it and it was, I was priming for that. So then time came that I wanted to do this podcast. I had this idea. I started reaching out cold DMs to people. I didn't know. I wanted to interview the moms of really amazing people. It's such because, a cool idea for a podcast. Thank you. Thank you. So it's called, who is your mama? And I had this, it was all just, you know, and I, a theory, I don't know. I didn't have any idea how to record a podcast. I didn't know how to do anything, but I was prepared mentally kind of, I yeah. felt like, and then all of a sudden I was going to have the time to actually put the action step in. So then it was like, you better put your money where your mouth is. So I started, I started taking action and it was action that could lead to a domino effect. You know, it's so like, there's action where it's like, if I do this, it could just fizzle out or there's action where like if somebody responds to me, I better be ready to go. 
And yeah. so there's different kinds of action. And so, so, so back to your question is like, I think it's knowing that there's a season for everything and seasons change. And so like, no, I feel like I, I wish I would have slowed down a little bit in the time that I couldn't do anything like mentally and like give myself a break and be like, you know, there will be a time, there will be a time to do what you want to do. And then when you're in that time, like right now, I'm kind of like a thousand miles an hour. And then of course, five months later, my kids are all back home for virtual right. school. COVID. <laughs> so that's super Such fun. A blessing. <laughs> yes. um, but like, what are you going to do? You know? So I just think, so right now I'm in this season where I'm trying to go a thousand miles an hour. You know, I'm, I have a podcast that's on BYLR radio exclusively. You know, I'm good. I'm getting ready to have a radio show on that BYLR radio, like in addition to the podcast. And I've got tippy toes, which is amazing. My three kids are now virtual school. Like it's bananas. Yep. Like this is a season. And then this season is going to change. And then my kids yeah. are going to be older and then it'll be in a, I'll be in a different spot, in a different phase. And at that point, then I will adjust. And so I just think that sometimes you know, do what you feel like you can do. Don't compare yourself to anybody else because their journey is not yours. Yeah. And you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You know, sometimes I, I will be like, oh, they do so much. And then you like come to find out that they have three nannies and you're like, oh, well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they have, they have a live in nanny. It's like, yeah. okay, well, yeah. not or, <laughs> or their kids are at, at school all day. Like even now, like if some, if my kids were in school, it would be different. Like, but I'm not. And I, so I have to be okay with, with those yeah. things, you know? And it just looks different, but I think being patient and also always remembering every decision should be a long-term decision. Don't make decisions based on short-term, you know? So as you're raising your kids, like, you know, think about what you want the truth to be in five years, not what you hope happens in the next five months. You know, wow. like, what yeah. do you want to be true down the road and take action to lead to that, not what you want in the short-term because it just, everything changes so quickly. It's not worth thinking short-term. That's powerful. There were quite a few nuggets in there. And um, yeah, but I, you know, I, I think like I've been thinking kind of along the same lines about, you know, there's seasons, there's times for everything. I think I told you before we started recording or maybe it was while we were recording, my wife has like forbidden me to even bring up the idea <laughs> of starting another business this year. And like, you know, she and I, like you and your husband have a great relationship, but I'm the idea guy and she's the one that can execute and like uh -huh. make things happen. Um, so it doesn't take up as much of my time to come up with these crazy ideas. Right. And she's like, I, I, I'm maxed out. Like I, I don't have the bandwidth. We're not doing another business, but we have a two month old. Like our mantra has been just get comfortable with chaos, like get yeah. comfortable with chaos. Sure. But you know, thinking about it, cause you know, I, I struggle with this. There's so many things I want to do and I'm like, I'm not, not doing as much as I would like to be doing, but it's like, we're not going to be in this chapter forever. Like slow down, enjoy mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. uh, make the most of it, do what you can. And then I, I love what you said about, you know, when your kids were younger, you spent so much time <laughs> learning and preparing. And um, so that when the timing was right and you had a little more bandwidth, you were ready to go and you had a plan. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's huge. Um, but yeah, quickly tell us a little bit more about the podcast because um, it, it is a cool podcast. I've had a chance to listen to it. Uh, you, you mentioned earlier, it's on BYLR radio. Tell us what that is. Yes. So Jesse Itzler, he is a, an incredible entrepreneur. He has, uh, 
started a jet company in his 20s, sold it to Warren Buffett. He was a part of a water company. He sold to Coke. Like he is a a rapper at one point. (laughs) He started out as a rapper and like a break dancer. He's also a New York Times bestselling author. And he is an incredible entrepreneur and just a great human. And so he has started this whole brand called Build Your Life Resume. And he does coaching and events and retreats. And it's exceptional. It's a really incredible program. Um, So Build Your Life Resume is his brand. And he recently started a 24-7 radio streaming app called BYLR Radio. So it stands for Build Your Life Resume. And so that app is free and it has awesome music 24-7 and there's different shows and then there's a handful of podcasts. And so um, that is where the only place you can find Who Is Your Mama is there. But um, my podcast features women who raise exceptional people. So I've interviewed Jesse Itzler's mom, Elise. I interviewed Sarah Blakely's mom. Sarah Blakely is the founder of Spanx. Um, I and Jesse's wife. They're Je- and Jesse's wife. Yeah. That's right. They're married. Um, and so the fa- so Sarah's mom. I interviewed Colin O'Brady, who actually currently, like as we speak, is trying to summit K two, the second tallest mountain in the world, in the wow. winter. He'd be like the first, you know, the first American to do that. Um, I interviewed wow. his mom. I interviewed uh, Kyler Murray's mom. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, uh, Shalene Johnson, she is a massive uh, marketing expert um, mm-hmm. and fitness guru and uh, Jay Williams from ESPN and Kate Parker. She's a photographer. Lots of, lots of different parents. I interviewed all their moms and um, which is a blast. And yeah, it comes so cool. again, it comes from a place of genuine curiosity from me yeah. as I'm raising my kids. I'm like, Absolutely. what, how do I do this? <laughs> let me talk to the moms that have crushed it and then like figure out what, like, let me reverse engineer parenthood. Brilliant. And so, yeah. So, so what happened is, so I'm, I'm having all the ideas right back to our last point is like, I'm thinking of this. I have this idea. I haven't done anything about it. And then all of a sudden my kids are in school. I'm like, all right, I'm going to start taking action. I'm going to start sending DMs. I have no idea how to do a podcast. I have no idea, like a microphone, what, like a platform, where do I put it? Who wants to listen to it? I don't yeah. know. Like yeah. nothing. So I start seeing, sending DMs like, this is what I want to do. I'd love to talk to your mom. And for the most part, like it's a lot of research to figure out, like, does the mom have Instagram? Does the mom have, you know, like, I don't know. That's yeah. Like you mentioned earlier, which I hadn't thought of. You're like, can can it kind of awkward too? Like, is your mom alive? Do you and your mother get along? Like, would she have (laughs) nice things to say about you? (laughs) So I creep on them and I go back to to May of every year and figure out, did they post on Mother's Day? That is a very helpful, that is a helpful tip because I will not reach out to somebody. uh I will not reach out to somebody unless I know their mom's alive because there would be nothing worse than reaching out, asking to talk to a dead mom. So (laughs) I don't, I won't do that. So I have to know that the parent is alive anyways. So hold on. I got to ask you though. Did you learn that the hard way? No. Did it happen? No. No. Okay. Uh, No, I'm (laughs) good. That's good. No, I've got enough brains to be like, "Uh -uh." I do not want to be like, thank you for the the question, but my mom is dead. I just didn't want to receive. (laughs) Okay. You jerk. Like do a little research. So anyway, so I had this idea and the time came to start actually putting my money where my mouth was and I start sending cold DMs. I don't know anybody, all right? I don't know anybody famous. I don't know anybody. I have no connections. I don't have an inside track. I honestly haven't networked for most of my career. I've been head down, building tippy toes, building my family. I didn't, I didn't network. Not the greatest decision, but I don't really care. I, I, like that's my journey. So anyways, so I send a cold DM to Jesse after he posts something about his mom. Um, and I, I was like, Hey, this is what I want to do. I'd love to talk to your mom. And he replied and said, cool. I'd love to hear what she has to say. Let's do it or whatever. And I was like, Oh my gosh, 
First of all, yay. (laughs) Second of all, how on earth do I refer to podcasts? But like, it's amazing what happens back to like the very beginning of our conversation. Like you don't have to know the end of the story. You just got to start. Just take action. Just start. Right? So I did and figured out how to do the podcast, recorded. His mom is 86 and I had a conversation with her and it was awesome. And I finished the podcast. It was in the play closet in my house underneath the stairs. It's like literally where my kids stuff all is. And I'm like huddled in there, like pillows around me to help the sound. No idea of really what I'm doing. And I finished the interview and I like fist pumped myself because I'm like, this is like, that was really good. Yeah, like that like, was, I'm on to something here. Yeah. Like I really loved what I gained from that and I don't know what I'm doing, you know? And so anyways, so he loved it. Jesse loved it. Come to find out later. I didn't know this, but it made him cry, which is awesome. Sarah, his wife, Sarah Blakely loved it, wanted me to interview his mom. So anyways, I keep trying to, you know, get more interviews. It's really challenging. It was really, really hard to get people. It still is to be honest, but months go by, nothing happens. I'm still just kind of trying to build a podcast and, but I don't really have a game plan. I want to get a library of episodes and then I get a call from Jesse. I mean, Jesse's like, Hey, can we set up a time? And and then we, I I will never forget. We have like a a conversation on a Friday night and he's like, what's your plan with your podcast? And I'm like, I don't have a plan. I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like people listen to it. I hope I don't, I don't, I hope to get, I hope to get more speaking opportunities. I hope to like have people, I want to put myself out in the world a little bit more because I've built a business and I'm a mom and I, I want to have a, a platform, yeah. but I don't know. Like that's all. I don't really, that's kind of what I'm just starting. He said, I'm going to start this app and I love your podcast and I want it to be exclusive on my app. Like, what do you think? And I'm like, oh, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, let me think about that. <laughs> Hell yes. Yes, yes. <clears throat> so anyway, so that's the very long version of that. Sorry. Um, but yeah, so that's how the podcast started. So now it's, it, it is available only on BYLR radio, which I love. I mean, it's, people are like, you should really be more accessible, but I'm like, I believe in Jesse. I believe in the app. I believe in like back to being a part of something like the, it's a positive place. They don't talk about news. There's business apps. There's great, or I'm sorry, business podcasts. Yep. There's wellness. Like the whole app is a place that I want to spend my time. Yeah, no doubt. I, so I go for it, you know? Yeah, I've, I've had it for, I mean, pretty much since it, it rolled out and um, it is great. And like you said, it's, it's positive and like, you know, I'd get involved in anything that Jesse's doing because that guy doesn't lose. Like, yeah. you know, he, right. he, he like totally. everything he touches turns to gold pretty much. So yeah. I would, I would have done exactly what you did, but yeah, definitely check out who's your mama podcast. We'll link, uh, link it in the show notes for, uh, BYLR radio. And, um, you know, where can, where can people connect with you? Where can people yeah learn more about tippy toes? Where can they learn more about the franchise opportunity? I love it. Thank you. So um, our website, tippy toes website gives you a really good idea of like what our business is, especially for the customers. So tippy and it's T I P P I. That's some people get thrown off. by. I that, think I spelled it wrong to you the first time we were listen, like, uh, messaging you, you and 50,000 other people. So don't worry. I get the why all the time. It's tippy toes with an I. Um, so tippy is our website. And then I'm over on LinkedIn an awful lot posting about business um, franchising, all, all kind of a mix of that. Um, and I'm everything, everywhere I am, I'm Megan L. Riley. Um, I use my middle initial so I can uh, just, uh, cause there's a lot of Megan Riley's. So yeah, I post regularly. 
Yes, I post regularly on LinkedIn for business topics. I'm on Instagram for more kind of my family side. Um, and yeah, so those are those are the best places. And our website's got a whole section for franchising that you can learn more about about opportunities there. But you know, we are wanting to expand, and we are we are ready to roll. Um, and like I said, you know, we have been in business for 22 years, so we survived everything in 2001. We survived everything in 2008. We survived everything with COVID. And for me, that's what I'm most proud of is that, you know, we put our franchisees first as cheesy as that sounds. It's true. Like we have had to do some things during COVID to ensure that they all are good and it's worked and everyone's good. And we're, we're going to make it, we're going to be just fine. And we've continued to serve. We pivoted virtually within a week of, of everything shutting down. And, you know, our, I don't get to keep doing this if our franchisees don't succeed. That's right. So my number one goal is that our franchisees are wildly successful and incredibly happy and feel supported. And so, um, so anyways, so that, you know, we're continuing to expand, checking out our website's a good spot to go or hit me up, you know, DM me. It works. Slide in her DMs. Yeah. Slide in my, where I spend a lot of my time. So yeah, but I appreciate this opportunity. And I, like I said, I love what you do because I think franchising can be overwhelming and scary and yeah. confusing and like, what is this whole language and what is an FDD and what is like, why do I have to sign? a receipt page and what are we talking about and just having that guidance is is crucial so i think the work that you do is exceptional well thank you i appreciate that it's something i really enjoy i mean you know franchising's had a huge impact on my life uh my family's life and so you know this is a great way for me to help other people see if it could be a good fit for them and uh you know it's just to me franchising is fascinating so and i love what you guys are doing with tippy toes you Thank have you. a lot to be proud of. Very inspiring. I've got four quick questions. This is my lightning round. I almost forgot to do it, but this is the same four questions I ask every guest that comes on the podcast. We can make it really fast. First okay. question is, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Uh, you know what? It's a recent piece of advice from Chad Sanchegren. And he talks about don't do things to just do them. And Adam, like, just don't do things to just do them. Do things to make yourself better. I love that. That's good. Uh, do you have a morning routine? Anything that you try to do every morning to prime yourself for a successful day? I work out every morning early. Or, or I, you know, that's the first thing I do is I, I try to get my workout in every, every morning. Gives you energy for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, what book are you reading right now? Uh, Play Bigger. Uh, that is my current book. I've really been into reading more this year, actually because of Jesse and his program. So I'm, I've been reading a ton, um, Play Bigger. The one thing is a book, uh, actually Elias Torres, he's the creator of Drift. Mm-hmm. He and I were talking and he recommended The One Thing. The one Thing, Gary Keller. Mm-hmm. Really yeah. good, love that book. I read that book, but I was riding my bike while I was reading it. And I realized I'm like, I'm not following what the books say. I'm multitasking while I'm reading this book. So. <laughs> this is a problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's as I was reading it, I was like, wow, I don't do any of this. <laughs> yeah. But it was yeah, good. You're like, like it was a cooking good... while you're reading. Like, no, I'm not doing any of this. <laughs> yeah, uh-uh. yeah. But it was good. It was a good, I appreciated it. It was like a good checkpoint for me. Yeah. It's a good book. Last question is what is your definition of freedom and are you living it? For me, it is flexibility. And I am living it without a doubt. I love that. I, if, if I decided that we are going to work from Destin for the next week, we could do that. Um, Beautiful. It, yeah. A flexibility for me is, is king and I, I, is queen actually. And I love <laughs> it. <laughs> I love it. 
Awesome. Well, again, congratulations on all of your success. Thank you so much for spending all of this time with me. Everyone that listens is going to get so much value. Um, Keep doing what you're doing. I'll look forward to uh, seeing the amazing things that you and Sarah are up to. And I'll definitely be tuning in to Who's Your Mama on BYLR Radio. And maybe you can nudge Jesse to get back to me about coming on the podcast. I'm on it. I'm on it. Thanks so much, Wes. I appreciate it. Thank you. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2frdm.com. And if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at Path2FRDM.com. Thanks again. Now go drop in.